Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, here today with my co-host, Patty Marbury of Finance Outreach and Compliance. Hello, Brandy. And today we have a guest with us. We've got Valencia Harvey, the Assistant Director of the Virginia College Advising Corps. Hey, Valencia. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for coming all the way over to Carruthers to chat with us today. Um, so that's Valencia's day job at Virginia College Advising Corps. We came to know Valencia because of UVA Forward. Shout out to UVA Forward. <laughs> um, Valencia, if you remember from Forward, or even if you didn't, Valencia and her partner in crime, John Alexander of the um, Sciences, Humanities, and Arts Network of Technological Initiatives known fondly to us as Shanty. (laughs) Um, I I even had to look and say, what does that even stand for? That's impressive. Yeah, Shanty. (laughs) Um, Who can not say contemplative now? Um, that's a joke. If you haven't listened to the contemplative uh, <laughs> science, uh, contemplative studies um, visit that we did, you need to check that one out. But anyway, um, along with John Alexander of Shanty, Valencia brings us the Who's Brave workshops that are aimed at helping us to think and interact more deeply when it comes to matters of race and difference. Um, the focus of Who's Brave is respectful and... Um, well, it's respectful discourse that helps us learn something, I guess is what how I would say it. Yeah. Um, so when you gave the your presentation at UVA Forward, you talked at the outset especially about brave space versus a um, concept that we might have heard of called safe space. Sure. And so I thought maybe that would be a good place for us to start our discussion today because it's such a a common sense way to look at (laughs) all of our differences and to have conversations but it was new I think for many of us and will be a little bit interesting and new for our listeners too yeah and I'm not I'm not exactly sure that everybody understands the concept of safe space so if you can yeah Yeah. even start with that yeah Yeah. absolutely and so I just want to make it very clear that when we critique or can uh, or basically reconstruct safe space we aren't talking about safe space training or safe zone training that are really geared towards protecting LGBTQ um, IA folks. Um, So that's, I definitely want to make that clear. Um, But yeah, so I can shed a little bit light on on the distinction between the two different frameworks. And this is what my team, along with uh, John, and as well as some other presenters with Who's Brave, we really discuss and unpack. And so, if you're looking at maybe two different slides, right? And so one slide we'll say is a safe space framework that most folks um, 15, 20 years ago would start off the conversation around difference in dialogue or most of your social justice um, and education oriented conversations. And so safe space um, would challenge folks with the following guidelines. A few of them might include one, let's agree to disagree great. Two, uh, challenge by choice. Um, Three would be don't take things personally, right? So these are just a few examples of the 
the ways in which safe space guidelines and safe space as a framework with discussing quote unquote diversity right. talk end quote um, that's normally how the setup would, would go in, in, in most spaces um, and so on the contrary to that I think that brave space came out from the heart to push the safe space by dialogue a little bit more further along um, with regards to experiences that minority folks experience all the time um, that sometimes for uh, identities that are not privileged they can't just agree to disagree like you have to stand up against you know bigotry and racism and so mm-hmm. and it's costly right mm-hmm. so I think that under the let's say the safe space regime or let's just go a paradigm because that's Um, um, so yeah so if you're operating off of the safe space uh, paradigm then I think that the heart and the intention is to have some sort of you know surface level conversation right but what brave space authors and if folks want to look um, these two authors up, Arayo and Clemens, and I think that's spelled A-R-A-O. We'll put that in the notes. Yeah, and then Clemens, C-L-E-M-E-N-S. So these two authors um, were contributing to actually a book that was titled The Art of Facilitation with regards to social justice education. So again, their angle was critiquing the safe space framework that A, um, that's not good enough and B, that's not realistic with what folks who are minorities or majorities are interacting with day to day um, with the grappling with learning about more of you know their identities and their placement with regards to the world or the you know identities around them and what making sense of all of that. So again, the conversation and the learning was stifled under the safe space framework. Um, and some of it, some some folks might argue, man, this is just, you know, n- nuances in the w- in the way that you describe this. But I really do think that the literature, in practice, has empowered people and given people the language that otherwise they would have just left at some of those guidelines and really kind of, you know, embody the the rigid framework of safe space. So I mean, as I listened to you talk during that session, and as we had conversations since then it strikes me that yeah safe space that was a good maybe it was a good thought yeah but that it leaves everybody involved in the conversation really not much better off than they were Mm -hmm. to start with because you don't get the understanding of where someone else is coming from who's different than you Mm -hmm that I think a lot of us really do want, we want to understand and we want to um, do better in our conversations and relationships with other people, but we're just not sure how to do that. And I think Brave Space gives you a a good foundation for that because what's at stake here, the reason why we're even bringing you this conversation at all, gentle reader, listener, (laughs) is because we find ourselves working with people who are different than us. No matter who you are, you work with people who come from a different background, a different um, experience mm-hmm. than you do. And we all have a tendency, no matter who we are, to think that everyone 
thinks similarly to you that yeah. that that your way of understanding the world is shared by a lot of other people and we just take that for granted especially if you are in a place of privilege and we'll talk about a little bit more maybe about what that yeah. means yeah. yeah but it can really keep you from having um personally good and fruitful interactions with people and understanding that you know just the world needs but also in terms of your work having good relationships with colleagues and understanding the people that you work with and working better as a team these yeah these are important conversations what i was going to say is um just your when you were talking about the kind of of some of the tenets of safe space Mm -hmm. um and brandy when you were just talking about how we want to come to it from a place of learning and those kinds of things and saying don't take it personally or we agree to disagree are the kinds of things that stop the conversation yeah it's like the, it ends yeah and so then you just say okay you know like and that's the so no learning goes on after that about anybody else right and also like you were talking about Valencia it's it's easy for some people to say we agree to disagree because you're not personally affected by how mm-hmm. That exactly. point of disagreement. So that's a, like, <laughs> and so thanks for pointing that out, Randy, because I think that most often these phrases were the most commonly used phrases from privileged identities right. in the room and in these spaces. Yeah. Because if I have my 10 or so phrases to say to opt out of the conversation because I'm uncomfortable, because I get really jittery when folks are talking about racism or when I think that they're pointing the finger at me and I want to talk about how I'm othered, right? And then we're kind of playing this oppression Olympics, right? And so it's, (laughs) essentially that's what it it turns into. That, well, I'm a woman and though you're black, like, you know, I, I can't walk down the street at night, but one thing shouldn't be competing up against the other. I think that one should be open to explore what it's like to be in each other's shoes. And so I think while Safe Space attempted to have a conversation, I think that Brave Space answers that conversation with community. And I think that it engenders a, a safer, more, not in, not necessarily saying safe is um, you don't become uncomfortable, right? right? So I think under Safe Space, safe was conflated with comfort. And Brave uh-huh. Space is saying, no, expect discomfort, and with that discomfort, engage with civility, with respect, yeah. you know? And so I think that, again, it's more congruent with setting, at least in the context that I was, you know, introduced to Brave Space, it was in a setting of working with undergraduates, right? So we want to develop their understanding about life. And so whenever we would say, okay, well, yeah, just agree, disagree. What are we, what are we telling them about, um, about, about advocating for themselves? What are we telling them about difference and, and, and expressing when you, when you have a, a dissenting opinion, right? And so I think that from the educational lens within multicultural education, I think that there was a shift to be more congruent with reality. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about generalities, and I think it might be helpful if we had an example yeah. of this kind of, yeah. of conversation. And I, I'm thinking in particular about how easily and naturally this happened in the UVA Forward session. Somebody had, you gave an example and somebody had a question and we had this very good, good interaction and discussion that was a brave space yeah. conversation. Um, would you mind giving us a good example yeah. of like how, how, so reader, I always say readers, I, I'm such an English <laughs> major. So listeners can 
um, see what you're talking about. Right. So folks might be wondering, okay, this all sounds good or it doesn't. So, <laughs> so talk to me about what that looks like. How yeah. does it manifest? And so I'll share re- really briefly about my experience in the uh, UVA Forward presentation. Um, so I, along with my facilitator, who is a white male, um, probably checks off every single mark for a privileged identity. Um, so folks who are listening were like, what is a privilege? Um, so privilege is essentially a term that we use to describe folks who have unearned advantages because of their identities that put them um, ahead of other identities, um, whether it's male, female, sexual orientation, religion, there are majority identity categories right. that we cannot ignore. And again, keyword is unearned. So a lot of times I hear folks who are more privileged saying, "Well, I can't take the I can't take away the fact that." my great 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 grandfather owned slaves i didn't own slaves but no you benefit yeah. from uh how slavery from in your family has perpetuated yes um furthering um the advancement of black people and for and so and for example john your co-presenter at, in the who's brave session is a i'm guessing yes <laughs> white anglo-saxon protestant yes. straight male correct yeah yes so all of those things stack together are many things that give him certain advantages mm-hmm. that although we're not saying anything about John's character, anything about John. No, John, we anything. love him. We love yeah. John. He's introverted. <laughs> and he's a, a great balance for, for me when we present. However, to your point, Brandy, when he shares his identities, he has more privilege at the outset of the conversation because audience members, nine times out of ten, are more attuned to what he has to say, right? right? As a mm-hmm. professional, as an authority. Yes. Right? And so he acknowledges that, but what he does with that privilege is that he uses it. He uses it for the good. Yes. And so that's where I want to go. I don't want to just, you know, say, you're privileged, you're privileged, and so now what do you do? What do you do with that privilege, and how do you carry that privilege? And right. Are you yeah. aware of that? So let me get back to the example. So um, I was using an example really off the top of my head, and a little bit of, you know, um, context about me. I'm from Dallas, Texas, born and raised. And I went to, I did my undergrad um, in the Midwest at Purdue University. And that was a culture shock for me coming from a culture that racism and my experience in South Dallas, Texas was very overt, very obvious. My mother trained us and talked to us daily about how to act, how to um, to just exist in, in spaces like outside of our our home and so you know I was just used to if some if a white person doesn't want to you know be on the same sidewalk with me they'll let me know and you know so in, in a certain way I mean it's very visceral and, and, and extreme but it also let me know who I could not talk like who right. I should talk to right. or not as no a one, midwesterner over here I'm going I know exactly now when about. I went to the midwest y'all <laughs> I think I think I actually wanted the overt racism again I mean no one wants racism but if I'm a at habit, least you knew at least I know what's coming because right. the thing that I noticed about the Midwest and we are going on a huge tangent about different cultures in in the states but the thing that I noticed about the Midwest was that being polite trumps everything yeah so you say (laughs) you say yes and you turn down and someone's trying to give you a free gift you got to turn it down five times to prove that you you're really nice and and I was not used to that because I'm also very blunt you know as a Caribbean African-American so anyhow so it was just a lot to learn and so I was sharing in this um, session, an example of, I think, a microaggression, which, um, quick uh, review, you can look that up 
um, microaggressions, the the, un, the subtle unintended, sometimes intended, I would add, but subtle um, unintended messagings that um, reduce someone's identity or the validity that they um, got a job, right? So a common example is, um, yeah, like you're only here because of affirmative action or you only got that promotion because you're a minority, right? So that's a slight to that person's intellect ability and hard work Mm -hmm. because you've reduced it to them getting in yeah it usually comes out as not even that direct that that's right that's right so like you know how'd you get that job yeah no definitely like oh what what you doing around here are you the janitor right right so yeah so uh, yeah so that's it has different manifestations but the back to the example that i've been belaboring on i shared with the group um how that i had an accent um, like Texas accent that I would always kind of like mask in the Midwest because I just got tired of like people being like, oh, like where are you from? And so I've known how to code switch. Code switch is another keyword. I'm keeping a list for our show notes. <laughs> um, so it's ways in which you just show like your social dexterity to uh, communicate within multiple social groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the best way I could kind of encapsulate that. So essentially, I um, talking to a, a, a white woman, and um, and so she's mentioning, basically, I can't believe you're here. You sound so, I mean, articulate. The typical microaggressions or uh, micro insults that we hear. Um, and so I was sharing that with the group to kind of explain. Wow, I thought that in that moment that that, that my articulation and how I speak was a surprise or a shock to this this individual because either she had not had the exposure or whatever her exposure was was it was limited to what she's seen on TV which portrayals of the black woman is is not a positive portrayal widely throughout media and so we know that that's not something we have to kind of theorize um however I shared this example and as I shared I shared this within the context of breaking down what a microaggression looked like right so at the time no one knew that um, you know I had code switched or anything like that, so that wasn't something that I had shared. But then when I opened it up to the larger group, I asked general questions and thoughts about that example that like I provided around this woman just being like, oh my gosh, like you you sound she was she didn't she wasn't that explicit in saying you sound articulate. It was a little bit more subtle, but it was she, I felt your it. example in your example you said she said something like you don't sound like you have a South Dallas accent. Yeah, something like something like she knew where I was from. Yeah, and so she associated where I was from with her own cognitive dissonance about how I should sound, Mm -hmm. right? And so, so I shared this, and I thought it was a pretty straightforward example, but that's okay. As a facilitator, you you grow and you learn. And so, in the heart of Bray space, uh, a young woman um, shared. You know, it was very uncomfortable, like, and I could sense it. I could sense that it was something was about to pop off, you know. And so I, you know, as a facilitator, you also have, facilitator, you have to be aware of not really reacting as the person. But I try to really embody an authentic Valencia anywhere I am. Um, but I also wasn't probably going to respond to her in the same way that I would if I were a participant. So I'm aware of that dynamic when you're facilitating nonetheless so she was really perturbed and frustrated by my example what I shared from my own experience but she was brave enough to honestly say you know it's always about race because in that example I said now I took offense to that because I experienced that as though she was shocked 
And I think that she's shocked because I'm a black woman from South Dallas, Texas, right? Right. So that's, and also it's consistent with my experience as a black woman in this state, in this right. country, right? right? And so this young woman, um, knows herself, she did not know that she would be kind of the pinpoint of the day for a perfect example of pitfalls, what you don't yeah. do. Yeah. But again, we learn together. And so she essentially expressed frustration that everything has to be turned to race, that she didn't, again, keyword, she didn't feel as though it was about race. And that ultimately she thought, well, what, what, why didn't the person, or why didn't you think that the person thought that you would sound country, like have a country twang mm -hmm. or be from like, you know, the southern part of Texas where people wearing cowboy boots and all that stuff. And so I listened to her, I heard her out, and I just let her talk. And that sometimes you have that sometimes that's necessary. And I looked at and I looked and observed at people around uh, me and I, you could tell the people were like, what is she gonna say? <laughs> so this lady, you know, and so I said, thank you. I forgot her name, but you know, I'm not gonna share her name, but thank you, let's say Celia, right? So thank you, Celia, so much. For that, I think that this is a perfect exam example of how we're going to engage in brace space. Now, I'm going to push back and let you know that your first statement was dismissive of my personal experience as a non-privileged racially and gender-wise um, identity in this room and in, in the spaces, especially predominantly white institutions. And so I was talking about my experience um, at a predominantly white institution. And so um, so I kind of explained how that impacted me and how I'm used to folks saying, well, I don't see it that way. And I challenged her, I said, I think that the reason why you weren't even open to hearing my story was because you were so quick to think of defense, to, to think of a response, to, to, to dismiss, because you don't want to be uncomfortable with something that you literally just said, why does everyone always have to talk race? Well, and also even just at the, the, the I, I was thinking about that in terms of like, I don't, as a white woman, I don't have any reason to think about how my accent reflects on my race. Right. Yeah. It reflects on where I am from physically. It reflects on where I have traveled. It reflects on who my family members are. It may have something to say about socioeconomics, but it does not have anything to say about my race. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have been in a position of comfort in that way that I've never had anybody take it that way. Yeah. But yeah. I might in other places. Well, and it's easy yeah. for a white woman or a white man to say, why do you always have to take it to race? Mm. When they're coming from a place of where they don't have to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we, that's what I yeah. think I shared or I might have, I think gracefully shared this, but I think yeah. the reason why race doesn't matter is because it doesn't have to matter to you. Yes. Right. Yeah. As a non-racial minority. Right. Yeah. And so the reason why race is actually more salient it is because of things that she did not know. And I shared that. I'm like, you weren't aware that I experienced and grew up around very overt forms of racism. You weren't aware that I even code switched and that's when I educated the group on code switching, right? And so I mentioned, you aren't aware that I do this all the time because I know that how I sound in a room of, of mostly white people, especially in an elitist educational space, I've got to bring it, right? And I know that different with different circles, I can switch it up and I can easily be like, I'm V from South Dallas, like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. just in that moment, you know, yes. I switched it up. Right. But I, I, you know, I'm very aware of that. And that takes a lot of energy. It does take a lot of energy. I can't imagine the amount of energy um, 
Yeah, like I, I don't, I mean, so we're talking about how you aren't aware if you're in a, uh, if you have some kind of privileged role, whether that w- means your gender or your um, race or whatever, you're, you aren't aware of what goes into the experience of someone else. And I'm thankful for the question that was asked so quickly in that session to get that started so quickly on like what we're talking about. It was like uh, almost a scripted example. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it was perfect. Like it was... I <laughs> planted. And, yeah. and that's something, uh, that's like a very common thing that I think anybody in in that per, in our white privileged response we could have said but i don't understand why that has to be about race like my accent isn't about race so why is yours i don't yeah, yeah i don't get that but um now we wouldn't have known that if we had just agreed to disagree would mm-hmm. we, we yeah. so that's the, right that's right yeah that's a good point yeah that if if we were operating under um the safe space Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, like, would you say, uh, not regime? That was in our word uh, framework. Fra- uh, paradigm framework. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. If we're not, if we were operating under that, we may have not gotten to the point where there was a little bit of civil pushback, where you're saying, "Well, here's I appreciate that you said that. Here's what you don't understand, and right. let me tell you." And when we're willing, I think, to understand and hear about people's experiences and not dismiss them and not shut your eyes and ears to them and really think about what that means and what your response is to that and how that informs how you look at the world, then we have something better. Yeah. And I, and I think the human-centered response ideally is asking, can you tell me more about that? Because I'm not understanding why race is as big as a deal. So to all my white folks listening, I think what I often hear is, well, what could she have done differently? And why was it such a big deal? I think that, again, it's not the intent, it's the impact. And that's also, a, you know, it coincides with brave space because we often hear, well, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean yeah. to say anything that will offend you. Or I didn't mean, well, that's as good as it yeah. sounds. You know what I, I'm saying? Yeah, but, yeah, but part of it is, though, why do you always have to do play the race card you know yeah kinda like it's it starts out as being uh almost an offensive statement um yeah if you've seen yeah valencia's like, like almost yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost it's, worse it's than definitely is yeah, right? yeah. I, I won't say another word that it's probably i mean it's just it's very something that is benign and like literally it's a part of our human nature that there's ethnic difference, right? But race, as we know, right. it is, is a social right. construct. But it's what we're dealing with, right. Right? right? So it's the world in which we we label, we understand. I fill out an application, I'm filling out my race, right? So I just, I just think that the whole, right. well, I don't see race, that the whole post-racial society. Can you talk a little bit that, about that? Um, because I've yeah. heard that, you know, yeah. like, I, I've had some conversations with some people about, oh, the why do we even need to see race yeah um or why why can't we just be colorblind or why yeah colorblindness i think that i'll just talk about how that makes me feel because i can't really talk about the literature or the right the yeah on it but i i just think um that it comes from that this response is a majority i.e white response of defensiveness of Mm -hmm. You know, we just don't want to talk about this anymore. It was 200 years ago. You know what I'm saying? I can afford to not make everything about race. Yeah. I can. It's fine for me to do that. 
for to myself because it that means that I don't have to deal with anybody else's experience or thoughts on it too. Like right. if I just say we're not going to make it about race, then yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so your colorblindness statement doesn't it, it might erase the words for you and make you feel comfortable, but it doesn't erase my skin color exactly, and it doesn't erase what comes with that. And so, and so, I, you know, I just don't want to make it all about race. I think that in, in this sense, in this, uh, you know, structure, I think mm-hmm. that you can plug in sexism. You can yep. plug in, right. you know, all the right. other... Or gender identity. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But I think that the way that Who's Brave team presents our material is that we do start with race because that is the most, especially in the States, the most un- undealt with, unresolved, unreconciled um, identity that is very obvious. We mm-hmm. have traces of racism. We have hurt, literally hurt generations and wounded emotionally, psychologically um, on both sides. I think that um, when folks throw out racial reconciliation, I don't think they really understand what that means. I think that means that you're really going in the history, you're going to the past, you're revisiting that, you're revisiting what that meant for a whole group of people to then pass down those same vices or, you know, I, I, for example, I remember going to school with folks who had never, never lived amongst black people. And so I had to, you know, from a place of humility, think, well, yeah, certainly they wouldn't know how my hair is done in the morning or why I don't, why I don't have to wash my hair every day and I don't get lice, right? Like, I think literally these are, I think that most is, most of our vices are learned and constructed at home but then most of our trauma occurs in educational spaces right so I think most young folks they experience oh Susie you know you're the only one that has curly hair why is that you're other right and so ever since the playground date like Mm -hmm. little Susie is traumatized because she is ascribing her own beauty her own hair with a place of of othering from her peers that look differently than her so Mm -hmm. I, I do going back to that I just remember being outnumbered and then understanding the context that so it makes sense it's not justifiable but it makes sense why you don't know how to interact with me and so going to the personal right so I think you had alluded to this earlier um and asking me so you have the framework and we're talking about how this could impact the workspace but I also would challenge listeners to do this in your personal life so this isn't just about checking a box showing to your coworkers that I'm with it, that I've done my work and that I'm culturally fluid. Right. It's about how can you be a better human? Yeah. How can you be a better better server and, and, and servant, um, um servant leader, you know, in your community. And my question is always what do your communities look like? Who is coming to your house, right? So yeah. I'm gonna be the time police for a second. Oh. So we've had a good like thirty minute conversation and I I feel like we need to probably break this up into another episode. So I'm going to kind of draw us to a close for this particular conversation and we'll just start recording again and y'all can check out the second pod on this. But the thing that strikes me about, about Brave Space that I think is a good place to stop here and then start us for next time, because maybe next time we can start talking about like practical applications of this then, because I think you very succinctly laid down the challenge Mm -hmm. of, what why we should care about this and in what context it matters like our whole lives like mm-hmm. this is big and important um but when we were talking about safe space and the idea that 
we agree to disagree or when we're talking about um, I'm going to be colorblind and why does why do we have to bring race or gender or whatever the thing is into it um, that puts the work on the person who's not in the majority mm. and we've talked a lot in the podcast about how to get better personally and professionally at anything you have to do the work you have to do some introspection and dig in and really think about stuff and when faced with a conversation like the one that you described within the UVA Forward discussion, you are a trained facilitator and this is a subject about which you have expertise. But there are many people who in that situation would have not known how to respond. Just like the questioner didn't understand where where you were coming from you wouldn't have understood how to come back and have that conversation yeah. with her and it would have left you and her just in that same position of why do you have to make it about race and then why don't why don't people understand why this is a thing right and i think it's really cool that there are practical ways that we can talk about making that better right and i can i can say from that experience and encounter with someone who I had just met and did not know that it was weird, but I really felt more comfortable with her. For yes, some exactly. Because she tapped into a space of, I'm just going to say it and keep it real and it might even be unpopular. And I right. even saw the looks. I was very aware as a facilitator. I was looking and even the white ladies in the room were like, oh no, don't, <laughs> you know, don't make us all look bad, right? <laughs> but I think that I, I, I really did in that moment, I had a place of a deeper understanding. Yep. Although I was still rubbed, right? You know, I'm like, oh, here we go again. However, I, I and I said this a few times throughout the presentation, I thanked her because yeah. I thought that she really did take to heart and then apply what the framework of race space was getting at. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great example. Yeah. Almost as if it was... And like kudos, like yeah. because I was thinking about being a Midwestern person, there is absolutely no way if you get like fifty Midwestern chicks in a room, we are not gonna ask you nothing. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. questions Where are you about from? anything. Where are you from? Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, we've we've got a, a good foundation for our conversation. Let's um, wrap up for today with an invitation that listeners. Check out the next podcast um, to get a little bit further into this con- concept of brave space and how to have more meaningful conversations about difference. Um, I know we're wading into a pretty heavy topic, so thanks everybody for sticking around for this one. Um, check out the next podcast with Valencia when we'll dig into more of the details. Um, as always, we thank you for joining us for Finance Matters. You can always read up on what finance is go- what's going on in finance on the blog and in the Jive community, which if you're listening to this um, in August, it'll go live at the end of the month. Um, if you've got an idea for a podcast or you know something cool that we should talk about or somebody neat like Valencia we should know about, let us know. You can email me or Patty or tweet us at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.